continuing on. Verse 20. On the contrary, remember he's talking to the Jews who are questioning, even the Jewish Christians. They were questioning a lot about the Gentiles and what was changing. And they didn't understand some of it. So on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? And he's talking to ignorant man who doesn't know the rules and isn't obeying them. So that's God's sort of response. He said, the thing molded, will it not say to them, why have you made me this way? Well, see, they thought a lot of it was God. Well, God did after they sinned. He made them vessels of wrath. That was his choice. But see, again, they are twisted around and get the caught before the horse. <laughs> and people need to understand that. So he answers them too on their level, okay? So he says, why answer back to God in your sins and ignorance is what he means. You reap and God's law stands, holding the wicked guilty and able to make them more wicked by turning them over to the devil. That's their right. He can choose to do that. We find no place where God hardens a person unless that person is continually resisting him or hardening himself. A proverb says, with the forward person, the stubborn and willful, he said, I will make myself stubborn and willful. So there are dangers of reaping things that come along, okay? 21, or does the potter have right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and another for common use or dishonor, okay? So he's asking that question. Many false teachings come out about predestination and election from these verses that are misunderstood. The wicked and proud, called wise, are kept from the truth. And see, God doesn't even answer sometimes the wicked, okay? I I quote this scripture a lot, and people don't believe that it still applies and that Jesus is still doing it, okay? Let's go to Luke chapter 10. I guess I wrote down the wrong scripture, so I'm going to quote it or paraphrase it. When Jesus was teaching, he said, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intellectual, but you reveal them to the simple. He did not want the wicked wise to understand spiritual truths. That's one of the reasons he taught in parables. And then he explained the parables that his own could understand it, and it concealed certain things to the wicked. Oh, they thought they understood what they meant, but they didn't get the whole message. God is still concealing from the wicked. It says the wicked shall never understand, but the way of the righteous is made plain. He's still allowing them to be deceived and blinded. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded them lest they should see. So you got multitudes of professing Christians that are brilliant intellectuals, and they can quote scripture and everything, and they're not even saved. They don't even know the real truth, but they know certain things. But the Holy Spirit gives revelation and understanding. So Bible knowledge and Christianity is not an intellectual thing. It's just part of it. So people think they can go to all the colleges and convince people through Scripture that Jesus, it don't save them, even if they convince them. Because most of the professing Christians are going to say, Lord, Lord, anyway. They believe he's the Lord. And then they could be called lawless and cursed of my father into everlasting punishment. 
They were convinced that Jesus was the Lord. Didn't change them. Okay. And Paul and Ephesians said, I pray God give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So if a Christian doesn't get that, he cannot properly understand Scripture. He sees at a low level, intellectual. He gets mental knowledge, but he don't get spiritual knowledge. See, again, God opens your eyes, and he calls people to teach and preach. A lot of people say, well, I don't need that. I just have my Bible. Well, you won't get nothing. First of all, because you're arrogant and proud, and God doesn't reveal things to people like that. And the other thing is God gifts people. It makes it easier for certain teachings or certain ministries. That's what he called them for. So no one is self-sufficient in himself. A lot of people, all I need is a written word. I said, well, you won't get anywhere because God called people. He didn't go into all the world and give people Bibles. It's wonderful they have them. He didn't never tell us to do that. He said, go and teach and preach and tell them to observe everything I've told you. He didn't say write a Bible and give it by a Bible because it wouldn't do them no good if they didn't get the anointing, if the Spirit didn't move people. He said, how can they be saved if someone doesn't come to him? And how can they do that if they're not called? See, that's the spiritual side. The spirit and the word agree. And when people say that, I've heard people tell me, well, I only listen to Jesus' word. I said, then you won't know the gospel. Because he said, when the apostles come, they're going to show you things through the spirit that I couldn't tell you. Because I wasn't in you then. He said, you'll be better off when I go away spiritually. See, because I'll come in, in a double form. I'll come in the Spirit. I'll be the very God in you. But he said, it'll be far better. And they'll do greater works than me. What did he mean? Well, it's him and them that'll do the works. But he meant physically, I'm confined to this area of Israel. I can't go into all the world and preach the gospel. I can't go to the Gentiles. God hasn't called me to do that yet. But that's what he meant when he said, but they'll do greater in my name and because I'm in them. So see, that's the distinction he's talking about, okay? And number two, he says, uh, sort of like hypothetical, or he, he's answering their stubbornness and pride, and some of them, they'll give in. See, because some of them, they're Jewish Christians, and they don't understand, they're still holding to a lot of the old, and some of them, the Jews themselves are questioning because he's preaching to them. In Rome, you had a, the whole church was a mixture of everything. You had Judaizers, you had false. He's giving a message, he's talking to them. So he says, what if, in verse 22, I forgot my purpose, I go back to 21, I didn't finish my thought there. Oh, say, so God uses bad and good in his universe forever to his purpose. He doesn't waste anything. Scripture says even the wicked are made for hell. It means he finds a purpose. Said so that those who forget God, the Old Testament says, those who forget God, God says, I'll turn into hell. People say, well, I don't know why God bothers me. I'm bothered. Well, he made you, and he has a right to you, and if you don't fall in line, he has a right to judge you also, because you defied a holy God, and you're selfish, and you don't consider who he is, okay? So the vessels of honor, they obey him and follow him. The vessels of dishonor, they set against him, and they are stubborn and willful, and they continue to resist his offers of grace. Thus, at the end, there will be no grace and mercy, but wrath and punishment. 
So he's warned people this is what is going to happen. So if you don't want to be a, a vessel of honor, then you can be a vessel. I'll have a place for you. He doesn't waste anything. Okay. So he reveals in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is not his will that any perish. See, a lot of people just don't look at that and look at God. It's not his will that any perish and go to hell. So when people say, well, he's predestined this, they're foolish. They don't know how to rightly handle the scripture. Initially, God planned for every human to be saved. He set out the plan. And he judges them according to the light they have and their responses. He's not unfair in any of his dealings. Uh -huh. But if they react falsely, he can give them over the lying spirits. He can stop dealing with them and cause there no hope for them. No man comes to the Father lest the Spirit draws them. See, that's Christianity, the higher law, grace and truth. So even the Spirit has to work with it. But he still, you'll never find in Scripture, God never believed and repented for anybody. Humans have to believe and repent. Oh, he gives them grace and help like he does the Christian, he, he called alongside. We do things, Paul said, he said, by the Spirit, if you obey him, he said, you'll live. But if you don't, he says, you'll die. So we're not saying you do things by yourself. We are branches. We draw from Christ. But he doesn't bear fruit without us. It takes the vine and the branch to bear fruit. So the gospel is preached and taught, but the man must believe and repent. God isn't going to do it for him. Give him all the help he needs. The man's choice and will is involved in these things. The plan of salvation, man had nothing to do with. That's his will. The accepting of salvation is man's decision. And even people who have the true gospel preached to them under inspiration. Most of them do not receive God. And yet the scripture says, it's not my will that any perish. So God's will is not being done now in many ways. We're to pray as God will be done on earth as in heaven. Well, it won't until the millennium and after the millennium, the new heaven and the new earth, that's when God's kingdom will be completely done and the wicked angels and men will be in the lake of fire so they won't be on earth and they won't be in heaven. So the will of God will be completely done perfectly. But man can resist him. And the majority of mankind is going to end up in hell by choice, but not responding to their conscience. The things God's revealed, they could respond to. He holds them accountable. They're going to be speechless at the day of judgment. They're not going to be any excuses. They're going to know what they got. And that's why there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only the torment of hell, the regret and hopelessness and of how stupid they were. And that's something. And that God's spiritually in relationship, they're in outer darkness. It means, as far as God is concerned, he shows nothing but contempt. That's the wrath of God. He's the consuming fire. He ain't listening anymore. He don't care when they're in hell. He's not going to let it affect him. Because you chose wickedness. And he's going to do it to the wicked angels. Okay? So that's why we fear the Lord. 
people don't know what the fear of the Lord is. And Hebrews says, serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And that's quoted out of Deuteronomy. If you don't serve me and you go into idolatry, I'll consume you. He's talking about wrath and punishment. He's not talking about purification there. Okay? So wicked man, again, he has to believe. He has to repent. God moves him to do, but he can do what? To be honorable is to choose to comply. To be dishonorable is to choose not to comply to the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Okay? And 22, so if God chooses to display his attributes of wrath, justice, and power to wicked persons and nations and for the believer to see how he works and even the angels learn wisdom through his working with the church, when he does his anger and wrath, it's basically he has endured it, said. He's endured with much patience. He's willing to demonstrate his wrath and make known his power. He has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. It don't mean they were prepared before the foundation of the world. It means he found the purpose. Like I say, he made hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't make hell until after the angels rebelled. But now there's the place. So he's saying the person that follows wickedness and evil and won't follow me, they're vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction. That's what's going to happen to them, okay? But it says he endures with much patience. He endured Pharaoh. He endured King Saul. He endured many people, test them, then one day he shut the door. He said, that's it. One day God said to all of Israel, he had tested them 10 times and said, he said, you'll not go into the promised land. You'll not go in there. And he made them wander 40 years. And again, the next day, they come and told Moses, we'll go. He says, no, you won't. He said, God hasn't changed his mind. See, once God shut that door, that's it. 40 years, he wait for that whole generation to die off. And then he sent their children, those 20 and under, he sent them into the land. It shows you they missed it by one day. And that's something. They missed it by one day. So, same with God. When he put Noah in the ark and it started to rain, he said, and God shut the door. It didn't matter who wanted in. Noah couldn't let him in. It says God shut the door. He was shutting the door of grace. He had preached to him 120 years and they weren't listening. So, God had enough of it. Okay. He endured with much patience their evil, their refusal to submit. So for those, then he's planned to destroy them in hell. Destroy is not annihilation. It means to mar, distort. Their spirit was made to serve God, and now it's going to be under wrath and punishment and experience God's wrath and punishment forever. Jesus said it five or six times. He was the one that brought it out. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A couple of times it's inferred as everlasting. So he didn't mince no, he should have known he made hell. That's God. And he warned the people. 
Okay? People today don't want to warn. Well, even when we preach, we don't have to keep uh, preaching hell every day. People get scared a little bit. The reason you get saved is not to get out of hell. That's a bonus. It's because you want to live righteously. You want to serve the Lord, not because how much sin can I do and still make it to heaven? Well, you're a wicked person. You're not going to make it. See? Because when Christ enters a person, you have the new man. And we have a part of us that wants to do righteousness. God's put it there. And we still have the old nature to deal with. And we can make choices. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I've talked to people, many people. They want me to give them a rule. You can do this and this and this and still make it to heaven. And so they don't want to cross that line. I said, you're going to hell anyway. It shocks them. I said, you're already wicked. Your heart's wrong. You don't want to change. You're just afraid of going to hell. That ain't the sole reason for getting saved, my friends, is to come to the Lord and serve the Lord and know the Lord and be fulfilled in Christ. See, they don't want that. So you don't have to keep preaching to people and scaring them. God lets them be deceived. You don't scare them every day. Let me tell you something. If God wanted to, but it's not in his plan or his character and nature, he could get every person, he could drop them into hell for one minute. Let me tell you, there'd be no sinners after that. Everybody would make it to heaven. And I saw how horrible it is. But he has a right to test and prove as he did the angels that were cast out. He wants those to accept morally with their conscience and their will and make a decision whether it's good or bad. He does not want robots, okay? He's not interested in parents and things like that. He wants relationship with that person, okay? And so he did this. He endured them. Always remember that. When you think of Pharaoh and Saul, God endured a long, long time with them, put up with them. He gave them ample time to deal with it. And whether he foresees they wouldn't or not, that's irrelevant. Whatever God sees or doesn't see, it does not interfere with man's choices. Man makes the choices. Just because God foresees, it doesn't mean he's fixed it. He's foreseen the decisions they're going to make. But they make the decisions. It's within their power. And that's something we can't understand, so it's no use getting into it. So he says, it's not my will that any perish. You stick with that. When people try to tell you about predestination election, you tell them to get out of here. I ain't got to hear that garbage because you pervert it. You don't know. You take three scriptures and make it the whole foundation of the gospel, and it's not. See, they pervert scripture. They don't rightly handle the word of truth. And as Peter said, they twist scripture, Paul's writings, he called them scripture, to their own destruction. He says they do all scripture to their own damnation. So you fool with and twist scripture. That's what will happen to you eventually. You make a lie out of God's truth and you'll answer for it. Okay. And he did so, verse 23 to make known his mercy or riches of his mercy upon the vessels of mercy. So he chose to punish Pharaoh and his people, but he was demonstrating to Israel, I'm going to protect you and bring you out. I tried to tell Pharaoh, let him go. He wouldn't, but he'll let you go. I'm going to force him to. I'm going to bring such horror on them. They'll drive you out. And then they'll resent it later and try to kill you. And I'll take care of them when they do that. So he had the right to do both. Israel saw signs that no one's ever saw. 
That's why they didn't get into the promised land. He tested them. He showed them things nobody's seen since then. And did they believe and obey the Lord? No, they didn't. People say, well, if I saw this side, I said, that's foolishness. It lasts for about a day, and then you'll be looking for another sign. And God don't play the sign game with people. It's a spiritual game that he's after. He'll grant signs and wonders when it suits him. But you can't live by that because there's no faith. There's no faith involved. And he expected a faith and obedience, and they kept failing and sinning against him. And they saw wonders that we'd never think of. All the people saw it, saw the miracles, the fire come down. They saw the Lord come down in fire. They saw the sea open. Have we seen that lately? I don't think we have, you know. And so that's why he held them under greater punishment and punished them because of the grace that he gave them. So his glory, he wanted to show to the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. He didn't prepare the Jews to be saved before they were born. He's talking here, he prepared the way of salvation and how to walk with him, the path he prepared. You stay in Christ, and if you don't, you're cut off. But he's prepared the church. And he says, then the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it will prevail against the branches if they don't abide. I hear people say, well, I'm once saved, always saved, because he said it cannot prevail against us. But you're not the church. You're part of the church. And if you don't stay in the vine, Paul said he cut the Jews off as a whole for their rebellion and privileges and their evil. He says, and you, a wild olive tree, were grafted in. And this is Paul speaking. And the Calvinistic altars, they don't want to quote this one. And that's Paul speaking. He says, and you will be cut off also if you don't abide in his goodness. To abide in his goodness means to walk in his way and live righteously. That's what it means. He says, oh, you'll be cut off. That throws a little problem on one saved, always saved now, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Okay. But he planned before the plan of salvation. He planned, and we either get in the plan or we get out. So we get on the train, and the train's going to heaven. But you can get off. Don't matter if you get on or off, that train's going to heaven. Because God's preordained and made the plan for it. And if you're living wrong, you're going to hell. That train's going to hell. And if you want to get off and try to get a transfer, then you do it. But the plan is set. The wicked shall be turned into hell. The righteous shall go into God's presence. So that's what is preordained. That's what it's God's predestination, his pre-planning. Doesn't mean it's fixed on it. You don't ever see the term selection and predestined used for individual Christians. It's a plan that incorporates. And that's why I would say you bite in me. And if you don't, he said, my father will cut you off. That's it. Plain as anything. And if you can't see that, you deserve to be deceived. And Paul and James would say, you're foolish and you're deceived. And you'll be turned over to lying spirits if you propagate a gospel of license to sin. That's what's going to happen, okay? So even, it's a continual in the verse, next verse, 24, even us whom he also called, 
Okay, who's the Uz? Okay, he's talking about Uz, the Jews, even though he cast off the nation and the country, but he didn't cast everybody off, okay? And what did he say here? Even Uz, he also called, not from among the Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. Now, we're going to see when people talk about the Jews being chosen, they're not chosen. They were only chosen if they're in Christ. Now, during the millennium and after the Antichrist kills most of them, God will start with the nation of Israel during the millennium. Those will be chosen because they turn to the Lord. Those who don't are not chosen. They're cursed, just like the Gentiles that don't turn to the Lord. See, And they keep forgetting that. So Christians go around talking about, well, they're saved another way. You're an ignorant fool. You don't know scripture, and you shouldn't be telling anybody something you don't know. But we see there, like I say, he opened it up. He closed it at that time because they had such privileges and they failed at it over and over and rebelled. He had originally planned to bring the Gentiles in a different way. And the Jews were supposed to be a part of that, and they failed at it. They failed to represent God. So he came up, and he had the second plan anyway. He wanted to fulfill and abolish the order of the law, but he wanted to do it a proper way. But he did it as a punishment to the Jewish people because of their rebellion. Okay, So it's among the Gentiles. Remember Paul talked to Jewish Christians here, and Jews he's talking to too, to show that God... In his choice, showing mercy or not, he could choose, and he did choose the Gentiles, and he had planned it all along. And he hardened most of the Jewish people because of generations and generations of rebellion and rejection. He grew weary with them, and very few of them got saved. But not all, like I say. For the first six or eight years, and after Pentecost, it was mainly Jews that were saved. They didn't even think to go preach the gospel to the Gentile. They were still thinking like these Jews, the Jewish way. This is for us. And Jesus had gone to all the world. They weren't doing it. And they hung around for six, eight, and then persecution came. God probably said it. And then they started to scatter and preach the gospel. And they started after Peter preached to Cornelius, the church realized, oh, the way is open for Gentile. We've got to preach to them. And before Peter was dead, there were more Gentile Christians than there ever were Jewish Christians. The door was closed. But again, the disciples and the first apostles, they were Jews. They were Jewish Christians, okay? So he didn't forsake all of them. Those who came to him, he kept. So after Pentecost, it was Jews who became Christians, Gentiles, and entered the New Covenant the same way the Jew did. And they were learning they were not privileged anymore. They weren't special over the Gentile. See, even when Jesus got ready to ascend in heaven, the 10 days, and then Pentecost came, Peter said, when will we restore Israel? Well, God had no intentions of restoring Israel for two or 3,000 years. And he said, it's not for you to know these times and seasons. That's God's business. Well, he knew it wasn't going to happen. See, they thought that he was going to set up the millennium. See, the Jews were still thinking that way. And that's why he said, 
A lot of things I can't tell you now, but when the Spirit comes, he'll reveal everything. And after Pentecost, Peter never asked that question again. He knew then what God, that the church was going to supersede the Jews and their covenants, and they were bypassed. And that uh, Paul said, and we're one now. There is no Jew nor Gentile. If you come to Jesus, you're one in him. There was no distinction. And that was hard for the Jews because they were so used to being so privileged. So, but they failed at it as a whole, okay? He refers to himself as a Jew, Paul does. He is chosen. He refers himself as the elect, the same as he does the Gentile church. He calls both the elect, the chosen. Revelation says it's the called, the call to the gospel, the chosen, they choose to receive the gospel and follow him, and the faithful. If you're not faithful, you lose your calling and you're not chosen anymore. You're cut off from the vine. It had to be those who were faithful. And Jesus said, those who endure until the end. It's not those who start the race. It's those who finish the race. That's the probation that we're under. So he's quoting the Old Testament now, Hosea. I will call those who were not my people, my peoples, for unto the Gentiles. And her who was not beloved, she's beloved now, okay? And it shall be that in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. See, it was always there, but most of the Jews couldn't see it. I'm sure Abraham saw it, and some of the prophets probably saw it. But generation to generation, Jewish, they just want to hear that. They thought they were special. They began to despise the Gentiles. They should have been a light to the world. They weren't. See, so they failed. And Jesus said, when the scripture opened their eyes, if you knew them, you'd see me. So those arrogant priests and scribes, God kept the truth from them because of their sin, and they wouldn't repent. They could have saw those things if their heart was right. Eventually, they would have shown them. And Peter was shown it. When he received Cornelius and was sent to preach to him, and 12 people got saved and baptized, he went back and he had to send a report to James. He was a little worried. He was afraid of James. James was an administrator. They think he was the pope. No, uh, he was no pope. They agreed. They had to agree on these issues. And they agreed that Paul was called to go to the Gentiles. James did, and Peter did, and they understood that. They had the same spirit. They were the foundation. There was no one person. Peter was the first to begin to preach the gospel to the Jew and to the Gentile. That's why he was given the keys to the kingdom, is not to make him pope. And by the way, when John died about 95 A.D., there were four popes, according to the Roman church, isn't that interesting, that they would be the head and the body of Christ when they got John. It shows you how stupid and foolish people can be. Okay, moving on. So in 27, so in 27, he says, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sands of the sea. Other scriptures say as the stars in the sky. It is the remnant that will be saved. People need to remember this, okay? 28, for the Lord will execute 
The Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. Well, what's a few thousand years to God? Uh, 29, and just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us uh, descendants of posterity, he said, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. It means if he hadn't chosen Paul and the elect Jews that chose him, we would have become nothing. But God did. He used them. They were the foundation. But the basic Jewish leaders and priests, they were cast aside. And they were destroyed in their temple and their nation 70 years later as a punishment. And God by then had established a Gentile church going throughout the world, okay? And that was his plan, okay? So prophesying through Isaiah, God calling the Gentiles his people. The Jews thought and hoped that Gentiles would become proselytes and sort of be second-rate Jews. And they would join the old system under the Jewish control. Not so. This new people would be one in Christ. Christ would not consider them neither Jew nor Gentile, but one person, one people. See, that distinction was gone now. It was open to everybody. And of course, and they had greater privileges than the Jews did. Okay, So we see that. And then in verse 27, 29, he says what? Most Jews are not chosen in the covenant, see? Only a remnant. What does that mean? A small amount. It's the same word and same impression when Peter said, are many saved? He said, not many. The way is narrow and how difficult, and few there be that find it. So as mankind as a whole, there's going to be few saved. He's talking about all of mankind. But he also said there are a few Jews. This small in number two, okay? So everybody was a Jew then. We had a couple of million Jews. Alexander had a half a million or more in the Roman. Roman Empire may have had eight, nine percent Jews out of 70 million people. And most of them were not of the remnant. They were more, more different than the Gentiles were in their pagan beliefs, okay? Because they didn't keep the covenant. They didn't obey the Lord. So what does he say? He said, a remnant will be saved. That remnant word is never used, but only for Jews. You don't find a remnant to Gentiles. And the only thing it says is when the full number comes in, and a lot of times that don't mean God has a set number. It means that this expression, when the time's right, the Lord will come and cut it off and deal. That's what he's talking about, okay? So we see now the Lord saves some in proportion. If he didn't save them, he said they would be like Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed and non-existing. A lot of Christians can't stand this because they don't know Scripture. Jews are not chosen that don't follow the Lord. What are Jews? Paul says they're enemies of the gospel. Now, how can they be chosen and have a special relationship with the Lord when they're enemies of the gospel? Okay, Use some common sense. Okay. They were cut off spiritually as a nation, as a spiritual nation. Most of them were cut off. But Paul and the disciples and Peter, they stayed. They were in the old and they just moved right into the new covenant with Christ. And so a few branches were left. And then the Gentiles started being grafted in. And Paul said, and unless you abide in his goodness, he cut you off too. And he said, and if the Jews start turning back, he can graft them back in. 
So he's leaving it to the individuals to make their choices. Matthew, Matthew 8, verse 10. I would go further, but we don't have the time right now, and I'll just finish this. He immediately talked about the great faith of the centurion. He said he hadn't found that in Israel. And then he speaks. He says, I've not found such faith in all Israel. And it was a Gentile. And in verse 11, he says, I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west. He's referring to Gentiles. And they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom, most Jews, that's what he's talking about, will be cast into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in this gospel, this is the first time he talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth and being rejected and cast aside. So the basically, most of the Jews will end up in hell. So he warned them. And he said, but many Gentiles will come, proportion-wise, because there were so many too, okay? Okay, we will stop there then at verse 29, okay? And we'll continue on later. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding that we may rightly handle the word of truth In Jesus' name, amen.